Isopods are also really creepy. They have too many legs, and they're like they true. look evil. Like their faces look like they're up to no good. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just bugs, um, and they're they're not evil. Like they're just existing. But at the same time, you're like, I don't I don't like you. Spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. Like the environment being mad at us. The eroding decay of our planet slowly at our own hands. Arguably, it's the environment just acting the way they do in making best with what we've given it, and it's at our expense. Yeah, I mean, we are the predator in this scenario. So they're like, hey, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to evolve to eventually stop you naturally through occurring things. Uh, Ultimately, we are the parasite. (laughs) We are always the parasite. I feel like that's the conclusion we come to most often uh, here at the pools. And uh, for those listening, we are the Media Literacy Podcast from a Horror Lens, where we explore the real-life, psychological, historical, environmental reasonings behind our cinematic fears. And this series is about ecological horror, eco-horror. And we're talking about one of my favorite found footage films, because I think it does a wonderful job at being found footage uh and is sufficiently scary (laughs) in ways that like people argue uh that found footage is not yeah no this this film is very scary it succeeded very much in its scary times um yeah so we're talking about the bay which is a found footage horror film and one of my favorites i'd say top five yeah when it comes to found footage and it's very different from what you think of when you think of found footage. Um, it is what I think, uh, like, Devil's Pass was, like, trying to be, where it was True. like, we're going to do it something scientific or, or, you know, actual, whatever. Um, and then they did a bad job at it. You know how I feel about Devil's Pass. Yeah, it was a very bad movie. The yeah. like, plot and just way of existing. It uh, did just a bad job across the board, unfortunately. <laughs> but this movie did a really good job. Um, and making me hate stuff, uh, but also like I don't ever want to see it again, just because <laughs> uh, I just don't wish to subject myself to such things. But it was a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not. I did not think it was. It's just I recognize that it addresses a specific fear that I have that I don't wish to experience often. Um, it is less about. It, like the quality of the movie. <laughs> the movie yeah. was very good. Yeah. Uh, it's just scary uh, for me in a yeah. very visceral way. <laughs> All right, let's do this. So we are talking about The Bay, which is pure terror. So let me tell you what it is about. Here is the description from IMDb, and it's a film from 2012. And it says, Chaos breaks out in a small Maryland town after an ecological disaster occurs and is directed by Barry Levinson. And it's 
I would say one of the best found footage horror films, in my humble opinion, as someone who's a very big fan of the subgenre. Um, yeah. But mostly because it feels very real in ways that found footage often doesn't. Um, and it's also 80% real facts. <laughs> so yeah. there's a reason why it's so accurately terrifying. Um, the film is a collection of various found footage from news, uh, personal video recorders, uh, FaceTime videos, all kinds of things. And it primarily focuses on the retelling of the fateful 4th of July um, by this former reporter, Donna, who's played by Kether Donahue from You're the Worst. And yeah. as soon as she, I was like, her face is very familiar. And as soon as she opened her mouth, I was like, oh my God, it's Lindsay. Um, yeah, it's the voice. <laughs> I got so you can tell right away. Um, and I love her. So it was really nice to see her in her younger years. Um, and this is clearly before she became any like even kind of recognizable because that's the whole point of found footage is you don't yeah it's also 2012 forever ago yeah um and so this is the the overarching like kind of documentary feel is, is that it's happening years later um she is breaking her silence and thanks to the helpful wikileaks adjacent site uh GovLeaks or something, uh, footage <laughs> <laughs> that had been covered, uh, had been covered up by different governing parties Sounds are right. now available to the public, which that's what WikiLeaks does. And if you'll remember from the horrible devil's pass, uh, they also try to use a WikiLeaks-esque site to explain their footage. But unlike most fun footage films, the Bay uh, features a a natural and believable eclectic mix of footage and stories. Like sometimes it's like, okay, that's what are the odds that we would have footage at this, in this location or this time, or that the audio is enhanced in certain ways, but that just kind of comes with the territory of found footage is that you're going to yeah, get it's still a movie. Circumstance. Yeah. The the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I really loved about it is that we don't follow just one, um, uh, Mary Lander. Uh, yeah. We are essentially spending time with all of Claridge as a whole and getting to see them on this personal level that makes it even more horrifying when you see how um, unhuman or inhuman the the parties in control are because yeah. they're not seeing these people as people. We yeah, just neglect. <laughs> pure neglect all the time. Um, we get to see the government agencies. We see the hospital workers, young girls, oceanographers, teens in love, neighbors, uh, news teams, everybody. Miss Crustacean, which is what yeah. I'm dressed as <laughs> for people who are watching. I got a little crab uh sash uh literally this whole town it, which is very small um you get to see them and it felt very real in that way and and it pieces together the the sequence of events kind of in order of the day unfolding so um you kind of get to see how it dawns on them slowly yeah. and like how out of control it gets like quickly and that they just don't have any control as people on the events and that no one was looking out for the best entrance interest. Um, but it also blends in this like past footage of these oceanographers who had warned the governing parties of the dangers long before the terror happened on that day. Um, and it's, it's interesting cause you'll have the, um, like what's happening in the day and there's like a crab eating contest. And then it's like ominous, like here's the oceanographers on a boat being like, 
this water is bad. And then you have like yeah. flash cut to the governor being like, or the mayor being like, I love this water. It's so clean. Um, which I thought was, I, there's, they showed that scene so many times. Like, look how crystal clear it is. Like, that's not how you, okay. Uh, <laughs> but in the film, like, we really just start with this cute and quaint, small waterside town with Miss Crustacean pageants and crab eating contests and the promise of fireworks and just, like, family fun time. Uh, yeah. And not soon after the in- Independence Day festivities begin, we hear uh, the mayor and the uh, former, what was he, vacuum salesman? Uh, yeah. Bock at rumors that the water is unsafe. Like, he immediate like... It's one thing if you just like were ignorant and you didn't know that that like that which is bad because that's like your job. But he's literally like trying to disprove any concerns and like telling people not to be worried and drinking the water and doing this whole thing. And he's like reveling in the booming poultry industry and tells about the power of the water purifier and like all this like business that he has brought to the small town. Um and He's like, eh, people who are worried about the water, they're dumb. It's fine. I have the yeah. purifier and we're rich now. You're yeah, welcome. Human lives don't matter if there's money to be made. I think that's <laughs> yeah. like how the CDC responds. Mm-hmm. Or not the CDC. The, they call the guy who's like a mm-hmm. governor or something. And he's like, uh, we can't shut down. It's a... Uh, there's tourism and stuff. Yeah, You're going to shut down on 4th of July weekend? Like, that's so much money for the... Ba- and it's like, okay, but people's, like, faces are exploding. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what do you mean? Like, Guy? our very tiny town is in trouble. Um, yeah. And I think what's interesting is that the story really only takes place over one day. It's a yeah. span of a day. Quick and die. End of which... <laughs> Results in the death of 700 of these Claridge citizens out of the 1,600 total that they had in the beginning. That is a big chunk of people. Big percent, yeah. And, you know, in the end, they're like, but it's one small town. It's literally what they say, which is super gross. So I'm going to get into some spoilers on... Uh, the bay definitely check it out it's not for the the week of stomachs it is pretty gruesome even though it's like there are just scenes that (laughs) they really get get those bugs doing stuff you can't do yeah definitely don't eat before or during like cat (laughs) and close your eyes if you need to close your eyes um and so uh you uh may wonder how could something so awful happen overnight and of course it didn't it's not one night that it just happens that you know this is when we're seeing it um but the film informs us pretty quickly about the death of two of those oceanographers that i mentioned that we kind of see a little bit of and their dream uh their deaths are deemed shark attacks uh despite them having suffered peculiar injuries that are kind of as if they had been eaten from the inside out yeah, you know, like I heard shark. once that one time uh, the the bull sharks they did that. You know, I I've heard of bull shark attacks. You know, Gabe, From I heard of that. Out. Yeah, you know, I one time my friend's cousin's <laughs> yeah. neighbor uh, mm-hmm. was bit by a bull shark. So yeah. and this is nothing sense. to do with putting my poultry industry in jeopardy. Um, no. so they die, and the 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 film is like it's sus. 
but the authorities were like, it was a shark attack. And that's kind of weird that there's sharks here, but it happens, you know. Um, but we learned that the oceanographers had been inspecting the water and the levels of toxicity. And they were growing concerned about that toxicity and it becoming this toxic soup in the bay that was having an effect on marine life. Uh, and throughout the film, we watched them uncover increasingly more horrifying things in the ocean, like as they're getting to literally the bottom uh, yeah, of what's going on. Yeah, soup, not good soup. Uh, and they literally do get to the bottom of the ocean, and that's <laughs> how they died. Uh, but their footage is, uh, every single time they, like, show it to us, the footage is followed by a title card explaining that they had, like, reached out to the appropriate office each time, like the mayor, and that there was no evidence that that office ever responded to the email. They're like, we have reports that it's very alarming that the fish are falling apart and that because like, that information even, was free yeah and they're like no Gave them no money um yeah and so they actually discover that the isopods have evolved because of high a high volume of excrement from the poultry farms which had become incredibly toxic just due to the variety of steroids and other chemicals that they were putting into the chickens to make them grow faster so chickens are live beings that are growing faster and now we're putting those same chemicals into the waters and then that's making other living creatures grow faster uh, and it expedites the evolutionary process and so then this evolves monstrous isopod then kills millions of fish and causes 40% of the bay to become lifeless um, which is interesting because sadly no, we just did that. It wasn't even an isopod that <laughs> caused 40% of the bay to become lifeless. Um, it's just people doing gross. Yeah. Uh, and something I found super interesting and what added to the horror of the film is that the director, Barry Levinson, was originally going to make a documentary about pollution and the crisis in Maryland's Chesapeake Bay, but then he found out that there were other productions happening, like this other team was creating a documentary under the same topic. So it was like, huh well, let's do a different genre and it's still educational. It's still good. Like, this is the best example of like how you could just scare people into conserv conservation. Um, yeah. And you know the cools love when a creator seeks to scare you into caring about issues. It's like our mm -hmm. favorite thing. So this is like a number one film. Uh, so the found footage part is what I think is makes it really interesting because it very easily could have just been like a, a narrative film um, where we just follow some characters or whatever. But the found footage really adds to it. Yeah. So I found some interesting facts about the film and how it was made on an a uh, Wired article titled The Bay Spikes Cell Phone Footage with Environmental Horror by Angela Watercutter. I'm going to be using a lot of quotes from them. Uh, and so, um, excuse me, uh, Levinson used more than 20 kinds of digital cameras and cell phones. And because a lot of the film involves victims and first responders chronicling their experiences with the isopods, Levinson estimates about one third of the flick was shot by the Bay's largely unknown actors um, because it's more believable that way. Like I think in Paranormal Activity, no one knew who those two people were and they're using yeah. their first names. Like the actors' first names are what their names are as the characters because yeah. it's just easier to say your name. And if people look you up, they see your name. Um, uh, I think this was like one of my favorite parts of the, the film was just like 
all the different uses that were very real. So Uh as a lover of found footage, and I've said it a million times, if a film can effectively convince me that this is found footage and not footage pretending to be found, I will wholeheartedly suspend disbelief and enjoy the film. Yeah. Just like, I will be like, yeah, this is real. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, like the fourth kind. Love it. Uh, And the bay features a... (laughs) Uh, the the bay features a wide range of media access such as security cam footage um news footage personal facetimes there's um dashboard cams from police officers and so much more it's just uh there's a recording of a uh, podcaster in the radio station yeah. um and while in reality it's really uncomfortable <laughs> to imagine all of your content personal or otherwise being accessed by an online file share service regardless of benevolence uh it's not too far from how the real world works yeah. uh, the cloud is not inaccessible just it's there and if you want to learn more about our government surveillance on its citizens you could check out the ghouls episode specifically on surveillance um so while it's still it's a great addition to making the film scary uh i was also like yeah i'm sure it's gotten worse too i'm sure they look even more now they have so much more access right yeah from everyone just being inside that's why I think like something like this getting covered up, it makes so much sense that like there would just be footage from people's phones and other things that would make it hard to cover up. Yeah. You know? And someone would reveal it on some of the like WikiLeaks. But obviously, um, because of other WikiLeaks that have happened, people forget about it anyway. So what does it matter? Uh <laughs> Not to be a curmudgeon here, uh, but in an interview on HuffPost titled Barry Levinson's The Bay is a fictional horror movie meant to save the real Chesapeake, uh, director Levinson explained their excitement over the potential of our surveyed world and how it'll change the way we understand, react, and feel about natural disasters and crises. Uh, They say, if something catastrophic happens today, for the first time in history, we have far more personal documentation than just a news camera that might have been there at the right time the tsunami in japan was the first time that happened then the protest in egypt future history will be told by piecing together emails text messages facebook posts skype conversations still photographs and smartphone videos which will truly create the story of how we lived our lives and communicated with each other or at least we'll uh, attribute to it yeah (laughs) i don't know if it'll be exact but it is true that like uh, even just thinking of like the George Floyd protest, right? It's thanks to the fact that someone was recording that with their phone that we have that. So if we have yeah. a crisis um, like this, it, there's no doubt that there would be so like they only had like one FaceTime video in there. I was like, there'd be a whole like live blog, there'd be live video on Facebook and Twitter yeah. happening of like my face has fallen off. <laughs> well, be, know, yeah, like, because since 2012, technology yeah. has evolved to the point where like we kind of live all of our existence on social media. So yeah, I totally believe someone would be on TikTok live. Just yeah. being like, oh, I don't know what's happening. And Your then someone would be up. like, get her help. Ah. Yeah. It'd be like <laughs> someone doing like a TikTok dance while someone's dying. Cause that yeah, right. Oh, no. uh, Influencers. <laughs> try to cover it up, right? Um, you can't because it's the glory of like surveillance. Um in when it's like us doing it anyway uh with found footage films like blair uh paranormal activity blair witch project cloverfield host uh and more there's 
this kind of supernatural or other world make-believe experience that is definitely frightening um, and very fun to experience, especially in the found footage format. Uh, but there's a level to it that's so obviously fictional that as viewers, we aren't, we can't like completely suspend disbelief. You're yeah. not just like, oh, this, this Cloverfield monster is real. Like no one's really thinking that. Um, and everyone's doubting, you know, the Blair Witch the whole time that kind of thing. But with yeah. the Bay, because the story feels very human, uh, it's easy to fall for the narrative. And in our natural disaster series, we found a trend that was really upsetting and where the governing parties uh, to avoid panic, or shall they say, withhold information. And we saw that yep. firsthand with our own government uh, and many others around the world during this pandemic. Um, and it's uh, aggravating and upsetting to watch on screen when the scientists are like begging for attention to very real issues while those in charge just shrug it off. And um, when this film came out, many of us knew that was how the government and other parties in charge would act in such a situation. But in today's pandemic world, it we know firsthand how it's manipulated and the information is distorted um, when it's funneled through uh, the controlled media outlets specifically. So yeah. that's why something like a leaked site makes sense for it. Um, so when we see in this film, the mayor and the CDC or the Coast Guard and all the other organizations ignoring, diminishing or outright denying real horrifying issues, it feels very real. Um, and Levinson, in that HuffPost article, uh, in the interview said, another truth is that most things in this country are controlled by big money interests. They play high stakes and have deep pockets so they can move and change public opinion quickly. It's not like we're playing on an even playing field. Large corporations in this country uh, easily set the agenda. And if they don't want people to panic <laughs> and no longer like or if they okay? do want them to panic, but about yeah. the other, like the wrong stuff. Yeah. Cause they're like, we don't want people to not feel comfortable with the chicken runoff. So, yeah. Still want to eat chicken, though. Know. So that's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the other part of uh, that isn't just uh, the neglect of people in power and how they're ultimately the mm -hmm. villains of the film, uh, but there's this other layer of the monster in the film, and that's the isopods. Uh, and what I think is so important about eco-horror films is that they're not malicious. It's yeah. uh, similar with like the natural disaster films or even the apocalypse uh, in some ways. The earth and the creatures in it uh, that we share this planet with are simply trying to exist and continue to live. Uh, they don't care about us. They don't yeah. think about us. <laughs> They're not vengeful in trying to destroy us. They're not strategically doing that. Um, so when the isopods evolve and begin eating us in this film, it's definitely disgusting and awful. But I don't think we have the same fears or even anger we might have with a villain like Michael Myers or oh, yeah, yeah. Freddy Krueger. We're mad at the mayor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're mad at the mayor and you're like, oh, it's, the, it's really horrifying and terrifying to have this friggin' uh, isopod eat you, but you're like, you're just trying to live. Um, <laughs> yeah, the isopod's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy, he's trying to do his job. In that Wired article from earlier, they uh, go on to share a quote from Levinson uh, themselves about the impact and intent 
from old sci-fi films who uh, attempt to do similar things with their messages. They say uh, they might have been more fanciful than this movie is ultimately, but I think that it's always been a form in the horror sci-fi genre that you can take existing elements of what's going on and apply it to a fictitious story. It creates a credibility that is an interesting way to work. And that's the thesis statement of the ghouls. Um, yeah. And this film actually, like that quote and then this film actually reminded me of the book that Japan Sinks 2020 was based on. And if you remember that episode, I kind of explained that it was fictional and entertaining to some degree, but it was originally designed and intended to inform and scare people into paying attention to the dangers uh, in this accessible and interesting way uh, that science reports, news articles, and other boring media were not going to accomplish. Because no one was talking about the the very real threat of the earthquakes and where japan was and and how very in danger it was no one was talking about it until they read that book and were like this is scary is it real so yeah just like that this film is trying to do that as well and so because this film was originally intended to be a documentary much of the information regarding the ecological disaster is based or inspired by real things happening in the chesapeake bay and kat's going to go into more detail in her section about it but i wanted to share that 80 percent of the facts in this film are based in reality and uh, in that Wired article, Levinson went on to say, uh, factual in- information in and of itself sometimes goes over our heads because it doesn't have any kind of emotional impact. There's no downside to using factual information because it smacks of feeling real and it adds to the nature of the movie as opposed to the zombie. Um, it's a little more terrifying because it could very really happen because it is very really happening um so though the film takes a lot of liberties um to make it more horrifying there is a string of truth in nearly everything that's happening so there's a very real possibility of a horrible disaster due to ecological neglect and disrespect uh there isn't currently a toxic soup because of chicken runoff happening now but the things they explain that make up the toxic soup are very real uh, like the steroids that they give to the chickens. So if they did put the runoff in the water, that could very well happen. It just happens that they're not doing that right now. Uh, and then the idea that farms would dump their waste in there is not like far off. Um, it just, luckily it was not happening. Uh, yeah. And I mean, either way, like the runoff is just from rain. So like mm-hmm. if they just don't properly store the waste, uh, the rain will do the work for them, whether or not yeah. they want it to or are intentionally doing it or not. Yeah. Um, if they just leave chicken poop outside and it rains, that chicken poop and the steroids inside of it will run into the bay uh, and thus cause stuff. Then it happens. Yeah. yeah. And I think like it's also like just the fact that we're putting all of those things into the chickens is like a whole other issue. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other problem. And so chickens like grow the regular video, times. They're like, this babe can be a big chicken in two days or something absolutely insane. Um, and it's because we just want to like make them and kill them and go. Um, and it's like, what for why? For your chicken nuggets? You don't need chicken nuggies. 
You don't, um, yeah. I'm not going to go on my vegetarian kick, but I do feel that way. Um, the other thing is that isopods are real. Uh, they're not as large as the ones get in the film, uh, as they haven't been spiked with the toxic soup. Uh, but in the film, they do use real isopod footage at times, uh, the little ones. Uh, and isopods do do similar things uh, that they do in the film, like eat a fish from the inside out or eat a fish's tongue. You yeah. can see images of isopods eating a fish's tongue, like being in the tongue, and he looks evil in there. He's evil. He's just like, hey, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I ate that tongue real good. Uh -huh. really like, yeah, I was like, no, sir. Uh, this could be your tongue, human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be Don't your tongue. Don't cross me. Um, there is pollution that is disturbing the marine world and how it operates in our water filtration system is broken and for a variety of reasons and we like i said we will cover fracking in a later episode so when the film poses these answers to the horror question uh we believe it and it honestly makes it that much more terrifying than supernatural found footage films so and it's i think the facts itself are so much more terrifying than even the gore and discomfort that the infection creates because it is like super gross but uh it's more the failure of those in power and the subsequent cover-up of the belittled deaths of u.s citizens that makes this film truly horror um and i just wanted to end my section with some quotes directly from levinson about the crisis in maryland and his overall intent of the film so in that uh, Huff Post interview, uh, they say, there's nothing that's going on the there's nothing that's going on the Chesapeake Bay that can't be corrected. It's not an unknown disease. We know all of the contributing factors. So how do we aggressively try and fix it? It's 40% dead now. We don't want it to become 55 or 60% dead because then the economics will turn against you. The chicken industry, of course, says that it's cleaning, uh, that cleaning it up will cost jobs. But even with that, we still have time to find answers. As a filmmaker, I have the obligation to entertain an audience, but I can also pose questions. The facts are what make this movie more captivating at a certain level. Uh, and that's, again, the thesis of what goals are all about is that you can like you're, he, it is entertaining. It's super silly and like <laughs> it's uncomfortable and horrifying, like body gore um but it's also like it really was hearing like the doctor ask the cdc like what do i do now and the cdc was like you and your staff need to leave you need to leave the hospital and leave everyone who's in there and just go and he yeah. was like i'm a doctor it is my job like this is my you're telling me not to do my job and to abandon all these human beings because it's hopeless and it's something that like the cdc learns was reported on yeah like, the guy is like we found it we found some emails and it's <laughs> it was like what like you found some emails and now there's you know 700 plus people dead and they were like well it's one little town and i think that really is it's not fiction. That's not made up. That's really what yeah. would happen. And so I think um, it does. A, this film does such a phenomenal job of blending in those real um, facts with what is also entertaining. Yeah. Uh, it does a really great job just showcasing how what incompetent, but how like scary that is that that's like actually how 
it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the sad part is that after you read that quote, I was like, dang, but it did get to 65. Yeah, it did. And he was like, we got time. We don't got time. Yeah. Like time was yesterday. And now we need to work as if we only had time yesterday. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that too when I was reading. <laughs> I was like, that's not it anymore, is it? Um, yeah. 2012 or whatever like well hopes 10 years ago he made this film and now look where it is it's what he was afraid of so hopefully people watch the film and do what i did because what i did was i looked up isopods um (laughs) when i watched it the first time and then i looked up like the chesapeake bay and pollution because i was like how real like how scared of this should i be yeah (laughs) so i remember you having like a similar reaction where you're what you were like i've got to do recent like even though it's for the show but i feel like there's a part of us that are just like this feels really real like yeah how real is this and how scared should i be uh and so you do the research and then hopefully that scares you into conservationism and i like when we were watching it it made me think of cabin fever which i think is one of the most like amazing uses of gore that like in a way that didn't feel like it was obviously there to make you cringe and make you upset but it wasn't like you're exploiting humans to get there um it was like there's something in the water and now you have a flesh disease and that's what happens to you. So we're not going to talk about cabin fever, although it is one of my favorite horror films. Um, Cause I've, we will talk about flesh diseases though. I got you. It's my, it's my entire section almost. Yes. Uh, which is why like, yeah, watching this, I was like, Oh my God, it's just like that. Except like that's more, you know, narrative and you know, you're kind of seeing it all up close in a different way than, if you were reporting on it in your neighborhood. Um, but it's real scary because <laughs> it's real. So Cal, why yeah. don't you tell us what it's really about? Yeah. Uh, so as we were saying, there is a very visceral fear that I experienced while watching this movie. I already actively fear the ocean um, and the millions of things that live in it that we don't know about. Uh, but this really elevated that fear to a new level. So thanks, movie. Um, I have seen things I can never unsee. There are two mistakes I made going into this film. One, eating during it. Two, keeping my eyes open during parts that I wish my eyes were closed during. Um, This film hit a bit harder knowing that we are in the middle of a pandemic that never seems like it's going to end and especially believable considering how mind-numbingly frustrating humanity as a whole has been through this entire experience. Like, in the movie, we get to see the CDC and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. They're tired. <laughs> Checks out. Yeah, no one's listened to them this entire time. Uh, they got tired a little too quick in this movie for me. Uh, just because, like, it just it happened in the span of 24 hours. You can't already be exhausted. Yeah, they were, like, immediately <laughs> over it. Yeah, like, and uh, that was rude, considering mm-hmm. uh, that they were, like, the only stance of, like, support that this poor doctor had. Uh, but... The more I learn about this film, the more horrified I am by the state of the planet, uh, by water as a whole. Um, The state of the literal Chesapeake Bay, which is dying uh, actively all the time. And the level of worry I now fear from anyone who has ever mentioned to me, I just know that I've heard people say that they've gone to Maryland specifically 
to eat crabs. And now I'm like, that wasn't something I was going to go do, but is absolutely never something I will ever do ever uh, after seeing this movie. Are those crabs filled with isopods that will eat you uh, from the inside out? Probably not. And no, arguably. (laughs) But they are filled with pollution and runoff and like other things I'd rather not intentionally put into my body. Um, also I'll say after trying to understand the math associated with this, it is just very much clear. I am not a scientist. Uh, I actively give you the warning that I'm not one, but some of this was like very hard for me to understand, uh, because of the way the numbers were, but I think I got it right. And if you're good at math and good at numbers and science, I provide all the source material that you can look at yourself and come to your own conclusions, but they also do explain essentially what the numbers mean. So apparently the dead zone referenced in this film is very real. Uh, While it is not known for creating deadly flesh-eating isopods, it does show how unclean and unsafe the water is and does produce flesh-eating bacteria. I would love to say that since the movie released in 2012 that the dead zone got better, but unfortunately it doesn't seem to have gotten any better from what I can tell. Uh, To give some further context about what the dead zone is, the ChesapeakeBay.net has some answers in an article titled Experts Find an Average Chesapeake Bay Dead Zone for 2021 by Rachel Felver. They offer some perspective on the current state of the bay. The dead zone is an area of little to no oxygen that forms in bay waters when excess nitrogen and phosphorus, otherwise referred to as nutrients, enter the water through polluted runoff and feed naturally occurring algae. This causes algae to bloom and grow when and then eventually die off and decompose. When they decompose, the process removes oxygen from the surrounding waters faster than it can be replenished. This creates low oxygen or hypoxic conditions at the bottom of the bay. Plant and animal life are often unable to survive in this environment, which is why the area is referred to as a dead zone. The article goes on to highlight uh, how this dead zone is impacting the Chesapeake Bay and how rapidly it's doing so. This is where it got like especially ah for me. Um, Since the runoff pollution is heavily based on rainfall and what pollutants exist in the Bay Area, the human factor that we can control is the level of pollutants that are nearby um, and how like how they get outside to run to with rainfall into the bay. According to the U.S. Geological Survey that tested an overall average watershed pollution between October 1st, 2020 and September 30th, 2021, even though the rainfall and river flows decrease, the pollution levels were higher than normal. Um, the survey stated that the bay was seeing flows entering around 84 1,880 cubic feet per second. To put that into perspective, an average size bathtub holds approximately 5.6 cubic feet of water or 42 gallons. This, that's the equivalent of 15,118 bathtubs being emptied into the bay every second. Every Uh, second. Pollution, every, that much, every Every second. Um, On the same website, but on their page exclusively dedicated to the dead zone, they provide information on the annual dead zone report card um, that the Virginia Institute of Marine Scientists conduct or science conducts. In the report card, they announce that the 2021 Chesapeake Bay dead zone covered recorded in the past 36 years. Oh, wait, I just skipped ahead. (laughs) 
In the report card, they announced that in the 2021 Chesapeake Bay dead zone covered an average of 1.5 cubic miles during the summer, which is slightly larger than most recorded in the past 36 years. Specifically, it is 67% of the bay. Um, this dead zone lasted 46 days longer than in 2020, with 141 days of dead zone. The duration of the 2021 dead zone was 89% longer than those recorded over the past 36 years. Whew. So uh, why, why happen? You know, why is this happening? What's, what's going on? Experts uh, say that the reports believe several factors influence this, including more rain, hotter temperatures, uh, and calmer winds through the late summer of 2021. Um, over the long-term global warming will continue to impact this dead zone, though. But there are things that you can do to decrease the size of the dead zone just by limiting the amount of pollutants we use. Uh, the states that impact the Chesapeake Bay watershed pollution are Delaware, Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, and the District of Columbia. So the ghouls live in one of these places. Um, the pageless ways you can help if you live in these areas that are applicable to any area, honestly, for any and all water sources around the world, um, just kind of like best practices for things you could do to help the planet that impact you kind of minimally. Um, while you may not be able to control the weather, there are actions you can take to control the amount of nutrient pollution entering the bay and to help slow the rise of climate change. Consider reducing the amount of pollution that can run off your property by installing a rain garden or rain barrel to capture and absorb rainfall, usually boiling water to kill weeds instead of and other pests rather than chemical pesticides in your garden or yard is another option. They offer more tips. It was like a long list um, for helping the environment on their website, uh, specifically the chesapeakebay.net slash action slash how to tips. If you're wondering, you know, why does this matter? Uh, my first question is, how did you find our show? Uh, it's kind of our whole shtick that things matter. <laughs> it's like our whole spiel. Um, but that aside, there are many reasons that as a living creature on this planet, you should care what's happening to the water. Um, and if it, this doesn't con con like convince you, uh, it may, they're just make you might have to soon because um, there's not going to be any good water left. Uh, but there are many reasons this should matter to you, whether you live near the bay or not. Human, which I assume you are if you're a human, uh, as you can't live without drinking water for more than three days, with that in fact, drinking unclean water can give you illnesses that can kill you as well. It is probably important that if you want to drink water and survive for the rest of time that you should care about this. Um, and honestly, this is an ins like this film does a very like, it's very serious, but also a little comical and how like, ah, it is. Uh, an example of water and nature fighting back. Uh, this actually does happen, though. It's not just something we see in, like, The Happening by M. Night. You know, like, it, uh, the trees and the water actually do fight back. It's it's called bacteria and science and evolution, and they, like, work together to get stronger and more deadly for people. Um, so specifically, the way in which the water can fight back is... Vibrio valinificus. Uh, and what is that? It's flesh-eating bacteria uh, that enters into open wounds, cuts, and abrasions, as well as like through food. So you drink the water, you can get this, you eat food that things that were in the water are now out of the water and you're consuming them. You can get it from that. You can literally enter the water for recreational purposes and have like 
cuts on your hands. As someone who owns cats, I actively at all moments have cuts on my hands. So if I went into the water, uh, I could get this thing. Uh, and it's specifically flesh-eating bacteria that lives and naturally occurs in the bay, but is being essentially exacerbated from global warming and the rise in temperatures. So Vibrio or waterborne illnesses can be transmitted through consumption of contaminated shellfish and seafood as well. Um, According to the National Center of Coastal Ocean Science, NOAA for short, as recently as June 21, they predicted the occurrence of the pathogenic Vibrio vulnificus bacteria in the Chesapeake Bay. So flesh-eating bacteria in the Chesapeake Bay as recently as 2021 and is apparently a yearly occurrence. So we'll see that again this upcoming summer. Um, Apparently, this is somewhat natural. Uh, It's something that happens during the warmer months, specifically when water becomes warmer. Logic would indicate that the increase in global temperature for long periods of time caused by global warming would in fact increase the frequency of Vibrio Valnificus, or fl- I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, instead of saying the word, I'm gonna say flesh eating bacteria just because it's easier. <laughs> the Chesapeake Bay program at chesapeakebay.net again provides some useful information on this subject in their t- page titled Five Facts About Vibrio, confirming the, gl- they confirm what my theory was that global warming will increase the occurrence of Vibrio illnesses in skin infections. While flesh-eating bacteria occurs naturally in the Chesapeake Bay, the increase in recent years is a direct result of climate change and pollution. As the bay temperatures rise and nutrient pollution from urban stormwater, agricultural runoff, sewage, and animal waste continues to increase, algal blooms, or like algae, uh, become more frequent. The sea levels continue to rise. Coastal bodies of brackish and salt water are beginning to spill into freshwater streams across the country. Because Vibrio thrives in areas of high salinity, their habitat is likely to grow in size in years to come, causing people who live further inland to also be at risk for infection. So where I said before, like, hey, if you don't care about it now because you don't live near the water, you're going to have to soon because uh, the hotter the planet gets, the more likely that this specific kind of bacteria will spread inland. Um, the article provides some advice to avoid infection um, that isn't even like taking care of, better care of the planet. It's literally like this is the stuff you can do right now um, to protect yourself from these things. So the it basically outlines that the following things you can do to avoid infection are well, after it rains, wait 48 hours after rainfall before going into a body of water. Specifically, it's referencing the bay, um, but anywhere that has salt water in the vicinity of it, I think that's a good rule to follow to avoid that bacteria. Because um, within that 48 hours past rainfall, the pollutants have been flushed into the water um, and are just kind of sitting there waiting for you to infect yourself. Uh, after that, you can also avoid this through making sure your body is free of cuts, um, wearing gloves if you choose to enter the water with cuts or a waterproof bandage, as well as if you're going to interact with uncooked or undercooked shellfish, that you wear gloves for that as well. Um, It also recommends keeping hand sanitizer and antibiotic ointment on hand to treat wounds immediately after, like, you get them to avoid infection. And this would also help in the instance of if you had gone into the water um, to kill infection at the source. Ultimately, moral of the story is we need to treat our planet better, guys. 
um, and take steps to dismantle the systems that negatively impact the planet. Um, I think a clear indicator of why we have been in this situation more recently is if you remember our last presidency, there was a lot of deregulation for companies to dump things into the water, into like deregulation of environmental protections. So it makes sense that things would get worse kind of rapidly. But there are things that you can do that are both big and small to help take care of the planet. Um, and I have a little list for you. Uh, you can go as small as changing the products that you use to be more natural, not using pesticides, um, instead using boiling water, as the article said earlier, uh, as well as, you know, plant trees, garden, locally source your food, clean your neighborhood, um, collecting rainwater to reduce the amount of rain water that gets runoff and empties into our water supply, as well as, you know, just kind of like making sure you're not dumping things into the planet. Um, and ultimately, if you want to do more, there's legislation that you can help. I don't have like specifics, but like, you know, you can keep an eye on your local legislation to make sure that the places around you are not falling victim to these things. So if they're trying to build a pipeline, for example, um, if they're trying to pollute, like deregulate the requirements for companies who have to literally safely reduce, like remove waste. If you are actively aware of what's happening around you, you can better protect you and those around you. Um, the government has proven time and time again to be extremely incompetent. We see this in the film <laughs> uh, showing that the mayor that literally knew all of this stuff ahead of time and just didn't respond to the emails because it just wasn't important. Um, so I, I think the biggest takeaway from that and also in witnessing how this past year or so has gone is recognizing that we are kind of alone in this. Like we, the government's not going to do it for us. So we have to take responsibility. Um, so just being aware as, as aware as possible as you can to make sure that you're taking care of the planet and each other uh, is one of the biggest things you can do. Uh, and that's kind of my biggest advice. But I'll provide resources in our description e john and in our blog uh specifically like kind of help you navigate living a more eco-friendly life i spent about like 30 minutes to like three hours uh investigating eco-friendly home stuff so i have lots of resources available for you that may or may not be vetted i don't know we'll find out <laughs> new obsessions yeah i was just like how live planet but not hurt it yeah do? how do um, and the internet had answers. So there's just easy ones like don't use chemicals to do things like use mm -hmm. different kinds of products to clean your clothes. Yeah. yeah like little tiny changes. Things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the biggest ones seem to be like collecting rainwater, like storing rainwater, which is good in the first place, because if mm -hmm. we have a water shortage, rainwater is clean enough most of the time for you to consume and it's good for gardening as well yeah so. yeah my uh my friend deb who has a, a beautiful large garden uh collects rain rainwater and then it goes through it feels like her her sprinkler system to water all her plants uh and it's awesome yeah <laughs> and she's also got solar pa panels and all kinds of cool things and i'm like this is the house that i want in my life um it's as eco-friendly as possible. And it's like there are little things that we can do. And then sadly, there's a lot of things that larger companies could be doing 
and it's really yeah. them. Um, and we will talk about um, fracking, which I think is super important, especially since we do reside in Pennsylvania. Um, but I think it's also interesting because this is Maryland and that's like right there. My friend got yeah. married in Maryland, like, <laughs> like just very recently. So, um, yeah, it's right there. We are contributing in some way just by not having make, made those uh, changes. Yeah. And I mean, also, fun fact, there are isopods. They do exist. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. They can replace a fish's tongue. Uh, and they're big and they're in the ocean. Um, but... <laughs> They are likely not going to eat humans anytime soon uh, or ever potentially. Like it, it, they, they really didn't seem interested when I was – I really expected like in doing my research. I was like, I'm going to find something horrible that I never want to know. I don't want to know. I did, but like not the thing I expected. I expected murderous isopods, isopods and that's not what I found, uh, which was refreshing. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I mean, isopods are also really creepy. They have too many legs, and they're like they look evil. Like their faces look like they're up to no good. Yeah, (laughs) they're just bugs, Um, and they're they're not evil. Like they're just existing. But at the same time, you're like, I don't, I don't. They're scary looking. You're not wrong. They are. Um, are. It's definitely, but they're not going to eat your tongue for real. At least very unlikely. So, Um, which is good. Congratulations, world. You got you got one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I will say, like, okay, the isopods are really scary, but I think even if they didn't use isopods, if they just use like regular flesh-eating bacteria that actually exists, like that mm-hmm. would have been super scary too. Like I I remember reading the one thing from the Baltimore Sutter, and the lady was like, uh, it kind of takes away, like, I think I see what they were trying to do, but did this actually, like, ignite a fire to, like, mm-hmm. change stuff? And I was like, I see that because, like, your first thing was isopods. I was also like, I was like, I don't want to research because I don't want to find out isopods are real. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> know. But, like, it was very easy to find out all the horrible things that are actually happening there, uh, specifically around, like, I am never going in water. Uh, I already didn't want to, but, like, you... It's just a natural occurrence, flesh-eating bacteria. You go to the beach, you know, your skin's gone and you die. Like, yeah, it's very upsetting to me. Yeah. Um, and it's very real and it's just getting worse and worse as time goes on. So I'm just like, yeah, the fire has been lit for me. I was already very worried about the other bad things that were happening <laughs> to the planet and the world. And now I'm like, oh, but also the planet, though, really, though, like, really, that's, ur- that's urgency. Yeah. Urgency. Um, yeah. Super real. I'm trying to think there was also like a TikToker that I follow and I can't remember their name right now, but it was just like a frustration with like essentially like Americans being like, oh, I don't know. It's so hopeless. I don't know what we can do. And it's like, you can't, you don't get to say that. You're the ones who came here and did this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You don't get to just be like, oh, apocalypse. It's like, no, you need to do things to help the planet because the planet is still here and it's your fault. So like, get it together and do the stuff. Like, it's not a cha-ha joke time. (laughs) The apocalypse, it's happening. So don't just laugh, laugh, ha ha ha, sad now. You need to actually like, Locally source your food, reduce your waste products, boil water instead of spending money on pesticides. These are all like super simple mm-hmm. things that you can do. Yeah. Um, it's also a matter of like having those things become more accessible too, right? Like locally mm-hmm. sourcing your food. Not everyone has that 
ability or has yeah. local produce or um uh, there's food deserts and stuff too yeah, yeah. so it you know, it's it's also Very like kind of petitioning for the acting powers to make those things accessible so that mm-hmm. we can contribute to <laughs> like the world getting better because some of us just kind of have to keep living. But for those of you who can, like every little thing does help. Even like you're not going to make the same impact as if a company stops doing those things yeah Uh, but you're doing something like even just doing like you know meatless mondays right like that's already drastically changing if everyone did something like that um or reducing like the waste or you know and recycling um trying not to buy things that have lots of packaging like we do that and i think it's super annoying (laughs) when i'm like i know i want that thing i want the single package applesauce but no, I'm going to have to get a jar of applesauce so that I don't, I'm not using so much waste on every single package of this little applesauce. But I'm like, it's yeah. tedious to have to scoop it out every time and I hate it. But uh, it's like you kind of just have to like do your little part and it might make you feel better um, and it might make the world a little better for the like when we leave it. Yeah, um, it's still going to be here and it's going to look different and it's going to take a long time for it to be uninhabitable but we're in a time where we're kind of at the end of our chance to make it go the other way yeah (laughs) Yeah, like we're running out of time to change that fate Um, yeah and just the the fact that there are little things you can do like the one that really stood out to me is like i know for a fact there are people who just like go buy pesticides and stuff where boiling water is you just free mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have electricity yeah. and gas you can or even if not like you can make fire fire make boiling water go out on a summer day and leave a pot on the hot asphalt mm-hmm. <laughs> let boil now uh and you can get rid of weeds and stuff that way you know what i mean like there's like that was like that one really stood out to me and was like i could do that now without changing yeah. anything else could do that now. Not that I'm spraying. I don't have money for pesticides, but at least still, if I have weeds that I wish to remove, that that's something I could do instead. And then also mm-hmm. just like, yeah, there's just like awareness that needs to take place. The rainwater thing was something like I already planned to do eventually, but I was like, I could start doing that now just like as a preventative measure, even if I'm not going to use it for anything specific. Um, yeah, I yeah. want to start doing like composting and like those things so you're not wasteful with like, your food because it's like I recycle a lot of packaging but i don't but even then that's a whole video on itself is oh, the yeah. fraud that is recycling uh because things just have the recycling logo on it and then some random number and it actually doesn't matter like if it's like a only one and two if you see one and two on your recycling things those are the only things that are recyclable if it has a five that's a lie you're not doing anything it's bad yeah <laughs> so that's a whole yeah that's a whole other field of things to like discuss on how we do it but i think it's also as people we need to uh realize that we're not in these little isolated pods we're not in our own isopods uh, (laughs) of of existence we're the things we do have a bigger impact on the rest of the world and ultimately the other people around us and so instead of being like the horrible crabby governing people that were in this film who were like whatever a tiny town care about your neighbors and try to do what you can yeah i mean yeah ultimately the world it sucks uh but having existential dread doesn't actually do anything productive except for make you sad uh so 
And it just, yeah, it doesn't change anything. So ultimately, just do what you can. Do the best you can. And if you did bad today, do better tomorrow. Yeah. That's all you, that's all you can do. Uh, just but keep trying to one-up yourself. The biggest thing is you got to do something, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> just be Let's like, try. ah, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> the planet will continue to die. Uh we're not procreating anyway, but like extra, no one yeah, will be able to like, cause the water <laughs> is gone. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, poison in our bodies intentionally through neglect is not good time. So there yeah. are, and I mean, we'll put some like things you can do. I mean, it's, it seems like a really big thing. Like you can't stop companies yourself. Uh, but if you're doing these things, it's going to do something positive. Enough people mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. And just speak up. And I think when we get to like our fracking and other episodes, we'll really explore what's happening, even in your own backyard and and how big companies are manipulating the facts and information so that you don't know or don't care. Yeah. And I mean, you control yourself. That's all you can do. So control yourself. Yeah. Don't exactly. do the same. Mm -hmm. Do something. <laughs> do uh, something. Something. So uh, that was our episode on the Bay and talking about pollution and the crisis there and our water systems. And do your part. Check out our Ways to Help section and join us next week when we're talking about another eco-horror film. And don't get Yay. me Yay. eat your kids or the <laughs> isopods will or the flesh-eating bacteria because you go to the Jersey Shore and then you die. Okay. never. I will never set foot on a Jersey beach. You can't you go to the Jersey me. shore. You, it's still, it's in the Bay. It's Refuse. the Bay area. I'm never eating Bay scallops again. I don't even know if it's from the same place, not going but to no. A beach in the Upper East coast anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not safe. It. It's not fish die. They can't live there. Why would you think children should go play there now? It's just cause for funsies. No. The only time God. my snobby peninsula self will prevail is that I refuse. Yeah, it's actually like inland is just so like yeah. <laughs> all the areas there. You don't want to go there, but it's also like that's all that's gonna be here later. Yeah, oh, yeah, Florida's gonna be gone. New Orleans gone. Sorry. All right. Well, <laughs> we're gonna do stuff though. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna do it because we have to. We're here. Yeah, that's your we're evening here. news. So that is. hello. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.